Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this week we're talking about 15 unicorns or um, what it is to be a cabinet secretary. And um, we're going to start by mentioning that we have a special document that we're going to be looking at over this this episode and maybe in a couple of others called the nomination of Michael Alex Azar II to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And it was done before the Committee on Finance. And then the link for that will be on our research guide. But I want to start off by asking Augie some questions about what it actually means to be a secretary. So my first question is, who do I have to kill? Who do I have to know? What do I have to know? Like, I hear there's positions open. If I wanted one, what do I have to do to get it? That's a, in one sense, it's a very easy question. On the other hand, it's a very difficult question. Those are it, the best questions. Yes. Okay. <laughs> On the surface, um, basically, uh, if you want to become a cabinet secretary. So, Nia, you're like, I want to be the cabinet secretary for... Defense. I hear it's, <laughs> I hear it's open right, right now. now. Yes, it is open. <laughs> I mean, does it hurt me that I haven't served in the military and I don't understand any of those terms and I'm not really a military person, although I like the military? I mean, is it just enough that I like them or do I have to actually know stuff? You might need to know some stuff. Oh. Okay. No, but, okay. Look, but also in the history of secretaries of the Department of Defense, we've had people who uh, uh, their expertise was basically in the, the private sector. So, for instance, during the uh, Kennedy administration, um, uh, he picked uh, McNamara, whose previous claim to fame was the CEO of Ford Motor. Oh. Okay. Okay, well, if we needed to build cars <laughs> at war, we would have been good there. But, well, but, but he but, also, at that point, I assume he was running a multinational sure, company, yes, and, lots of employees, lots of money. And, and he, had br- he had brought some changes to the Ford Motor Company that drew attention to those in government. And the thinking of the Kennedy administration was the Department of Defense um, needed uh, different thinking, needed uh, changes, if you will, to fight different kinds of wars during the Cold War. But basically, there are three or four main elements to uh, become a cabinet secretary. I'm sorry to interrupt. I hate to interrupt you, but I want to ask, did McNamara know Kennedy? Like, how did his name even come up for consideration before you even talk about, which I appreciate and I do want to hear about what the qualities are. But I also want to understand how you get that person's name to start with. Is it just people you know? Is it people that a lot, a lot. say, pick me, pick me? I mean, what is the... I mean, some of it is, who do you know? I mean, uh, a cabinet secretary position is a policy position. So... If a president is going to pick you, the president has to have uh, a level of comfort or confidence that uh, you, as the cabinet secretary, uh, will tr- you know translate and 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 implement the president's policy preferences. Um, so McNamara was known in Democratic Party circles, um, and and that's important. 
Um, so, you know, that's that's one element. Um, another is it helps to be an expert in the field. So, though. So, so me, not so much with the military, having never served in the military. I mean, I've watched a lot of movies. I guess that probably doesn't make me an expert. Probably not. Oh, okay. okay, fine. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, if you're talking about uh, the Department of Justice, uh, the head of the Department of Justice is uh, the attorney general. We basically assume that they are going to be, one, an attorney. <laughs> okay. That's probably helpful. <laughs> okay. Uh, but two, somebody that is well known within the legal community uh, and or the law enforcement community for implementing laws passed by legislative bodies. I mean, because that's what the Department of Justice does. Oh, so this person has probably served as a prosecutor or, or something like, like that, that in previous. Reverse, yeah. Um, oh, okay. okay. So they're not just walking in there saying, I'm an attorney, attorney that's enough. enough. No. I mean, because, you know, they, hey, they've done. Yeah. Lower the, levels of the, of the job. That's right. Okay. Okay. So, so you got a level of knowledge, a level of expertise. You know, you are noted in that field. Um, uh, another important quality to have at times is, you know, do you have previous government experience? Now, sometimes presidents want outsiders. You know, they believe that um, a particular agency needs to be cleaned up. So, or drained. Or drained. Right. <laughs> I, I think that's use current lingo. Yes, current lingo. <laughs> Let's drain that swamp. Okay. Kind of sort of thinking that Washington, D.C. got drained, you know, centuries ago, but nevertheless. <laughs> um, and, but, in, but, in, insert debate about climate change now. Exactly. Now, we'll Parentheses, which we will discuss in a much <laughs> later episode. <laughs> but in fairness to President Trump, he is not the first person to think, I will bring massive change to oh. this governmental structure by changing who I put into the secretary positions or other positions of influence. That is not an uncommon thing for the president to think, right, going in? Oh, correct. Um, uh, 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 president Obama, you know, when he was running for the, the office, he said, I'm going to come to Washington, D.C. I'm going to create a new culture. And part of that part of creating a new culture is I'm going to appoint people as department secretaries um, uh, who are going to want to work across, you know, political party lines. Didn't work out all that well, but, you know, but it was a good attempt. A, a good attempt. Um, uh, Ronald Reagan said that. Jimmy Carter said that. Okay, so uh, that's a pretty is, common. It's, it's a, it's I'm a, the new guy, and I'm going to bring change. I'm going to bring clearly what's happening isn't working, or you would have kept the other guy, or the other guy's party, party or yeah. what happened. So I mean, so if two presidents who follow each other are the same party, is it likely that a secretary might stay longer or do a sort of a longer transition than they would if they're a different party? I mean, do you get to, can you keep those people or do you boot them out? Is it an automatic, wait, we're going to get to that. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry about that. So so your initial question is, what what are the things uh, that a person needs if they aspire to be a cabinet secretary? And 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 I've mentioned a couple of these. Um, You know, know, one, they're known either to the president or to uh, important people within a political party. Um, they typically are an expert in the field. If they're not an expert in the field, they're being brought in to, you know, change a culture or change a focus of that particular department. Um, um, it helps to be a friend of the president. 
Um, you know, there was an expression during the Clinton administration, a friend of Bill. Okay, and oh. F an FOB. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know there was a, <laughs> okay. a name for it. Okay, okay. Um, uh, uh, in the Bush two administration, uh, it was probably less important to be a friend of the president. It was more important to be a friend of the vice president oh. because that particular president delegated a lot of the selection of cabinet secretaries to the vice president in part because Cheney was an established Washington insider. Um, you know, Cheney, Very experienced. He'd, he'd served in Congress. Served in Congress, served in the Ford administration. Um, I mean, he had an extensive uh, experience working in Washington, D.C., both in Congress but also in the executive branch. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, at some point— if you're nominated to be cabinet secretary, you have to get approved by the Senate. So it's important to have somebody or some bodies in the uh, the executive branch who can help you navigate that process. Okay, which we are gonna we're gonna talk about the specific process in the next uh, in the next couple of episodes. But I want to ask about the vetting process. Okay. So so I so. I get put forward for Secretary of Defense. I know it's laughable. Just work with me. Okay, just work with me. I can see you grinning. Um, it, it's so the first thing that happens is they say to me, "Have you ever done anything completely appalling that oh. if it comes out in the paper, we're going to be humiliated?" Actually, no? there, actually, there are a few preceding questions. Okay. First, they're going to reach out to you. Um, it will probably be not the president themselves. Um, but, um, why not? Does that give him plausible deniability? Well, it's the kind of thing that, you know, Hey, there's, you know, there's just like the fifth grade where I ask my friend to ask you if you would go with me to a dance rather than ask you myself in case you humiliate me by saying no. Is it like that? <laughs> it's maybe a little bit more sophisticated than that. I'm just saying that a lot of government <laughs> okay. machinations can come down to the fifth grade. If yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can be rather <laughs> juvenile, uh, and and I say that a lot in my classes. Uh, you know, and we say that with love, just yes. so the podcast knows. We say that with love. We love the government. Yeah, but, you I mean, know, I sometimes. Things. Some stuff comes out that you think, "Wow, I think I learned about that in fifth grade. How not to do that?" that right. Okay. Basically, the first the first set of questions is that um, uh, the White House staff. So it will be either the chief of staff, one of the deputy chiefs of staff, will uh, come up with a list of potential individuals um, to be uh, the secretary of a particular department. Okay. So I'm competing with somebody. Sure. That's first first thing oh, to yeah. note is sure. that I'm not the only person on oh, this my, list. Yeah, I mean it would be highly unusual if. Um, uh, there was just one clear yeah, candidate. Yeah, a particular White House staff just said, "Oh, it's Nia." <laughs> not to say that you're not, you know, I'm fabulous, list, but, right? but okay. okay. <laughs> um, so they come up with a short list, um, uh, and then there will be a debate within uh, the White House. Um, some presidents, again, like you know, Bill Clinton, he wanted a robust debate about who should be picked for uh, uh, cabinet secretary positions. Um, uh, other presidents, again, I'll use the second president, Bush, um, he basically wanted uh, the White House staff, including the vice president, to do that debate and then you know, present a 
here's our recommendation because he was more of a delegator, right? But once they come up with that list, then they will make um, uh, they will reach out to uh, the you know the 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 top person on the list and say, are you interested? Because they know that once they start to reach out to potential candidates to be a cabinet secretary, some of this stuff is going to leak. Okay. okay. So that's yeah. just a fact of life is that somebody's going to go, holy cow, they've asked me to be the Secretary of Defense. That's right. Because I know I would do that. I would call you. That's the first thing I would do. Oh, yeah, Augie, yeah. they asked me to be Secretary of Defense. How bad is this going to be? You're right. But probably before I said yes. And I assume that this person's also going to check with, like, family. I mean, yes. one of the things that I think we were going to talk about and I'd like to expand on later is this idea that this person is – is going to be working very hard, very long hours. So it's not something you would say, sure, I'd be happy to do that in my spare time, time or yeah. whatever. And then you're going to have to give up whatever job you have. You're going to have to give up all, your all life kinds change. of... Okay. Your, yeah, your life changes. So, so you have to really decide if that's something you want to do. This is not a casual... None of the people who are doing... who are willing to go through the nomination process are thinking of it as a lark. It's, it is a serious Oh, it's a serious commitment. Job interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've decided they want to work for this company, the company known as the federal government. government. So once it is determined that this, this person who's at the top of the White House uh, list is interested, then we do what you mentioned a few moments ago. There is a vetting. Um, uh, the vetting is... Uh, uh, has multiple purposes. You know, part of it is done by the FBI. The FBI is going to go ahead and, you know, see if, you know, do you got tax problems? Do you have criminal, you know, do you have criminal problems? So, so. the president can authorize that. He can authorize the sure. FBI to look into an individual yes. once they've given permission to, I assume I have to give permission to yes, do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay. And if so you he say, can't have me looked into before they ask me. Because there's some Te- technically, gray area technically there. they should not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, but I mean, if they Google you, they can do a lot now. <laughs> yeah, without, oh, yeah, right. It doesn't involve the FBI. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, uh, there's some of that that you have yeah. to be careful of. Remember, kids, be careful what you put on Facebook. Well, yeah, um, on social media. I mean, because <laughs> you don't need the FBI to go in and find that. Well, <laughs> you don't need somebody's friend to find <laughs> that even before the FBI. Um, uh, so technically, they should get your permission because okay. it is a background check. So, okay. you know, the FBI is going to look into you. Uh, the political side, uh, the White House staff will will de- do a, uh, a, a deep dive into your politics. Um, you know, who did you support? Um, uh, did you write anything in your youth? Um, were you a oh. member of organizations? Did you perhaps make mistakes with your yearbook pages? Pages, for instance. Uh, right, just, yeah. Uh, Yes. Just as a random example. example. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and let's assume that that vetting comes back and you're relatively, quote unquote, clean. Although, let us note for the record, no person no. has it has ever not made a mistake it, that they yeah. are going to be asked about in a in a Senate hearing later, <laughs> which we will talk about with the nomination process. But, I mean, th- there's never going to be somebody who's going to be completely angelic and... And even if you, you know. are as the nominee, you have people in your life. Probably. Okay. Probably you've talked to somebody at some point. Right. My guess is. Okay. You have a partner. You have kids. You have a brother, a sister, a mom or a dad, right? That you've been in corporations, which that, may yeah, or may not have done you know, bad stuff. 
mysterious things. Right. So you will get asked by that because in part they're trying to go ahead and gauge your fit by the people in your life who you are, you know, who are closest to you, who are your best friends, uh, the people who molded you as parents, as brothers, sisters, family members. Okay, they're going to want to know this because in part the seriousness of the position, the responsibility you have, the amount of money you will be in charge of, the amount of authority that Congress will delegate to your agency, and you are technically supposed to faithfully execute those laws, they're going to want to know all this stuff. Now, part of it is salacious. It's voyeuristic, right? Right. Okay. Oh, my goodness. If the National Enquirer got a hold of this, could they make a story out of it? Yeah, right. Or can and, they... and if they can, then yeah. probably no go. Yeah, right. But the other part of it is... Although they're pretty talented. They can make stories out of just about anything. Well, or they can extort you so that they don't publish it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's <laughs> separate a different... Issue. <laughs> that's that's a, a separate issue in a different podcast. <laughs> that's a different podcast, right? <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, these are serious positions. Uh, these are positions of authority, of responsibility, uh, of trust. I mean, another way to look at this is if you are confirmed, depending on the agency, you are responsible for directing, in some cases, thousands if not millions of government workers. We're going to want to know, it, are they qualified to do this? Um, you have some HR skills. skills. Yeah, you have some HR skills. Are you a person who will not abuse the, the authority and the trust that even if we don't know the position exists, we are just very broadly conceived as a citizenry putting trust in you. Um, so they're going to want to know this. And, and, and it's, it's terribly invasive. I mean, it's a terribly invasive process because, uh, you know, once the vetting is done at the executive branch side of, uh, of government, then they're going to, you know, put forth your name to the United States Congress. And for some members of Congress, um, what your agency does might have a huge impact on their state, on their constituents. Oh, uh, yeah. as, the, I, as a North Carolina native, the military is hugely involved in North Carolina local politics and oh. the specifics of what senators and congresspeople are supposed to bring back to North Carolina. I mean, we have Lejeune, we have Bragg, we have, right, there's a lot of military. Well, just um, even think about here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Right. I mean, the entire Hampton Roads area. Um, northern, Virginia. okay, Northern Virginia, right? Oh. Um, I mean, Virgi right. So the weight of government employees here really matters. Matters to, to our senators, to our Congress people, etc. Um, hence, why our people were um, very vocal during the shutdown because they were concerned about constituents not being paid. Right? They that's were concerned. Right. I mean, that's a big concern for Virginia representatives. representatives. That's right. Because if they're not being paid then they can't pay their mortgages, they can't buy groceries, they can't pay utilities. Right. It has economic carry-on effects, but it also has, I assume, political carry-on effects. Sure. I mean, right? you know, but I mean, it's got to fill you with just a little bit of resentment, resentment. Yeah. I would, yeah. with yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So, so th these, are these are important positions, and, and thus the vetting process is, is going to be an intensive one. It's going to be... Uh, as, as I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, invasive of one's privacy. 
Um, and, and you ought to think long and hard as a potential nominee, not just the nominee, but as a potential nominee. Do you want to do this? Um, and, you know, and some people, you know, say, no, you know, I'm not going to sub- subject myself, my family, my friends to this level of scrutiny. Others, um, their desire for public service um, is so great that they're like, yes. And that, that does seem to be a common thread that these nominees have, that there's something that they want to accomplish or there's something that they believe should be should be recrafted or done or carried through. Um, that They do seem to be motivated by a sense of, of service. Uh, as far as I can tell, regularly. Now, it doesn't mean everybody. I'm sure some people are in it but, for some personal reason that we don't know anything about. But it is, you were, uh, you touched on something a minute ago. You said, it, you know, it can be life-altering. And I, I think that's a fascinating point to remember about the nominees is that that it changes you, I assume, forever. It's going to change the way you live the rest of your life, not just the next one to four to eight years, depending on how long you're in service to a particular presidency. But forever, you are going to be the former secretary of something after you're no longer that. Which is, that still carries weight. I mean, now in foreign affairs, people still ask Madeleine Albright. They still ask, you know, they, they asked Howard Baker for years after he was no longer. Condoleezza, Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice. Rice. Um, Senator Clinton. I mean, there's there's just a lot of people. John excuse Kerry, me, yeah. Secretary Clinton. John, John, know, John Kerry. Kerry, yeah. There's a lot of people who still get asked and still get asked to weigh in because they have this experience. And then they have to be careful about how they present any argument they may have because they don't want to be disrespectful to the office of the president. Sure. And And the other thing is these serve at the, these folks serve at the pleasure of the president, right? So yes, they can be asked to not serve anymore if they're no longer either what perceived as not being able to do the job or not being able to accomplish or not Following the policy rules of the president, the president I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I assume you can be fired because he just doesn't like you anymore. I mean, there's there's like a variety of reasons, but I assume most of it most of it has to do with policy. Sure, right? I, I can't it, uphold this policy, or I can't, in good conscience. Yeah, so I do mean, these things. It's the, that's a very salient point, Nia. They, they these are policy positions. So, and in and, and a good thing to remember here is. Uh, a cabinet secretary is uh, a policy position. They're supposed to reflect, in large part, the will, the policy will, or the policy preferences of the president. Um, and most of them are picked in part because they've already very, very much made it clear to the White House: yes, you and I are on the same page. I will do, you know, I will implement what you want to achieve, whether it be the Department of Defense, Health and Human Services, etc. If you no longer have the confidence of the president or if you aren't uh, successful in doing what the president wants, the president can remove you. There's, you know, that's that's a that's a presidential authority. The Is that Senate, that thing where they say to you, it'd be really good if you resigned right sure. now? Sure. Yes. I mean, well, they yes. hardly ever just straight up fire somebody, right? Like until yes. this presidency, that was pretty uncommon yeah, I mean it's 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 they they gave you the sort of you should you, you yeah, should you find another job. Yeah, it would you, be good for you to go now. Yeah, you have the choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, With quotes around it. Yeah. Now, sometimes uh, cabinet secretaries are asked to step down because uh, Congress indicates to the White House um, that it doesn't have confidence. Oh, that, that, and that counts. And, and, and yeah, well, I mean, in part because if Congress, for instance, says to a president, uh, we don't like what's going on in the Department of Veterans Affairs, and that's mm. uh, occurred across a number of presidents, um, presidents then uh, are kind of sort of uh, given uh, um, <laughs> a very difficult choice, even if they still believe in the cabinet secretary, the Congress might go ahead and say, um, we're going to hold extensive oversight hearings into what's going on in that department. Or um, if you don't clean house, you're not going to like the appropriations, um, you know, what we give in the budget for that de- particular department. So, so Congress will just make you miserable well, until you, you do what, what they, they want. want. Okay. Yeah. And so there's that. Occasionally, and we've seen this with a couple cabinet secretaries with the current presidential administration, because there were allegations of 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 um, criminality or fraud, um, uh, either state important stakeholders or members of Congress said to the president, "You got to get rid of them." Can can secretaries be sued? In their positions? Uh, typically, no, because they okay. are policy positions. Um, a, so uh, this supreme, person yeah. has to be a policy person. This has to, person has to be an administrator. This person has to be charismatic, right, because they're carrying a message for a president. This person has to be able to get along with the president and able to get along with Congress, which may or may not be the president's party. That's right. Okay. Th- Good luck finding somebody uh, hence, with, hence with unicorns, cords. yeah. Because good luck finding somebody with, with, with all that skill set. Yeah, with with that combination of skill set. There's a lot of burnout in this job, in there. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, I mean, it, it is highly unusual to see a cabinet secretary last through just one presidential term. Wow. It's highly unusual. So a president I mean, by the not way, only has to the find burnout rate has gone up. <laughs> okay, with 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 uh, recent presidents. Um, well, I assume that in part because oh, the hype- everything just gets worse once there's a huge amount of press involved and a huge amount of social media, and there's a lot of. I mean, not worse, but in the sense of there's you are screen. now there's you, a, right. There's, there's more, more scrutiny, more transparency. You're now responsible to more people uh, and to more people's opinions um, than you might have been in previous. Yeah, I mean. Could, as scholars have pointed out, um, uh, changes in the media, changes in the, uh, the, the level of scrutiny. Uh, another element is uh, the current, shall we say, political climate or culture in Washington, D.C., which is very hyper-partisan. These have all contributed to cabinet secretaries not lasting as long. Um, and, and, and in government, just like in, in the private sector, the more you have turnover, the more difficult, you know, the greater the difficulty is in doing, you know, the job of that organization. I well, mean, you, was, you have training and you have, I mean, there's it, a slowdown of finding a new, a new person, person and training them. And, and, and then, then, you know, and, and the career civil servants, you know, you know, think about a private sector corporation when their uh, a CEO position is vacant. Um, you know, you don't know what is the direction. You don't know what the focus is. 
you know what you're supposed to do on a daily basis. But in terms of broad mission, broad purpose, okay, you start start you start to have doubts. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you know, if you're talking about a large bureaucracy, sure, you know, the Social Security Administration knows that they have to make sure that the checks get deposited into grandma and grandpa's, you know, bank accounts every month, right? right. But in terms of any new policy initiatives, things you might have just started because, you know, hey, the new president came in and said, hey, we're going in this direction. And you're like, okay, but the president's person uh, just stepped down under fire, perhaps, uh, what are we supposed to be doing? So, uh, but there's an acting guy, right? There's like, sure. there's never a no. I mean, there's, there's never, never just a we just don't fill that position. position. No, no, because uh, underneath each department secretary are undersecretaries or deputy secretaries, um, and many of them have been career people who have now moved into these more policy-oriented positions. So, you know, the agent still agency still functions. But at the same time, in terms of having somebody who is the designated secretary, you know, you start to have questions about that. Okay. Um, Well, and if you got enough turnover, I would think it would scare you into perhaps considering a different different job or a different agency agency. or something. Okay. I mean, a lot of government employees want to stay in government employment because their retirement is in it and all those other things Please. are in it. But they don't have to stay with a certain agency. A lot of their jobs, their talents are, are, or, or, are transferable or yeah. to other yeah. agencies. Yeah. So if your agency was constantly seeing a churn at the top, that would be that could potentially be unnerving enough to make it hard to, to, uh, keep, to those, keep that workforce at its others. level. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about the turnover in the Department of Veterans Affairs. I mean, they've had, by my last count, since the second President Bush, five different cabinet secretaries. Wow. Right? That's a lot. Th- that is a lot, right? Um, I mean, and for people doing the math at home, that's only like 10 years. Yeah, that's right. That's a lot well, of Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of turnover. Um, also, Congress likes to establish relationships. Um, and when there's constant turnover... Um, then Congress is wondering, okay, where you know where's the leadership of this agency? Um, huh. You know, so that lack of stability is just harmful all around. It's harmful. So you're hoping that when you find your unicorn, your unicorn stays with you. Sure. But theoretically, presidents are finding not just 15, but like 30 or 45. 40, right. And with the current president, the situation is worse because he's got more of a private sector mentality in regards to. Uh, unit heads. So if he's not getting immediate um, uh, results, um, he's getting rid of people. And right mm-hmm. now we, you know, we kind of like your first quarter earnings. <laughs> yes. If your earnings start, start dropping over first quarter by, by third quarter, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, you're gone, right? Because we just can't. Okay. We can't and, sustain that for our stakeholders. We can't. Yeah, okay. And, so and, from a business point of view, he's actually acting the way a, a business yeah, leader would act. Yeah, it's very customary uh, of what you see with CEOs in the private sector. However, in government, um, this is significantly different significantly different well and it must be very frustrating in some ways for him that the bureaucracy moves as slowly as it does i mean the ship of state as it were is larger than any corporation sure so trying to get it to move in one direction or another must be very frustrating for pretty much everybody involved yeah i mean the, the current president is the only president in the history of the united states 
who never had previous government service or previous military experience. And um, the last president we had who didn't have previous, shall we say, civilian government experience was President Eisenhower. And one of uh, the uh, more infamous quotes, and it's a paraphrase because I can't remember it word for word, was Eisenhower's predecessor, Truman, uh, went ahead and remarked uh, when his two terms were up, um, you know, poor Ike, he's going to issue orders and the bureaucracy is not going to respond. Because in the military, you issue orders. Yes, pe- sir. Yeah, that's right. Okay, chain of command. But with the federal government. <laughs> yes, sir, next, next week, week, we'll get to, to that. that war. <laughs> you know, it might be two, three years down the road. I mean, and, and, and that's one of the difficult things for many cabinet secretaries is that when they come in the office, they get pressure from the president, maybe even Congress, to, you know, change things around in their department. But to get policy change within departments, they have to follow uh, some rather significant laws that focus on process, not outcome. So to change a, a regulation in an agency, you know, typically takes two, two and a half years. Just a regulation. <laughs> And many cabinet secretaries are like, that's not what happens in the private sector. Right. If it took me two and a half years to change our product packaging, we'd be out of business. Business. Or if they came from state or they local. Have to be far more nimble. Yeah. And if they came from state or local government, again, state local governments um, are smaller. Change comes quicker. Right. Okay. I see. Or if okay. they came from uh, an interest group. Well, you know, interest groups, again, don't have to worry about federal law or the federal constitution in, in most instances, <laughs> right? So, you know, interest groups can go ahead and change a focus. You know, hey, we want to focus on, you know, this particular element of policy. Um, well, you know, a particular bureaucracy, uh, career civil servants, even if they want to go ahead and do your change, and remember, career civil servants are experts in their field. We've hired them because they're experts. They tend to push back at times against people who are the new cabinet secretary who says, I'm going to bring in a new culture or we're going to have a new focus, they kind of sort of push back because they're like, hey, we're the experts. We were hired because of our expertise. And we see this, for instance, in an agency like the EPA all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a Democratic president or a Republican president. They'll come in and say, you know, a Democratic president, we're going to be more aggressive in using uh, environmental laws. And the career civil servants are like, okay, but we have to go through the regulation process. Or conservatives say, uh, we're going to reduce regulations. Right, we're going to deregulate. Okay, because you know this this has a cost on business. And again, the experts in the EPA are like, yeah, we might get to that in like two and a half, three years. <laughs> Well, and and you have to tell Congress because some of that has to be reported to Congress. Well, and congressionally changed. I mean, some of those. Well, yeah, I mean, but but, I mean, mean, you can't just say I'm going to, you know, well, I'm going to abolish the EPA. Like it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work that that way. way. No, but I mean, you know, I know that in regards to regulations, some candidates in past have said things like, "I'm just going to abolish this department." Um. I don't think you are. I, yeah. I think that Congress is going to say, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. how nice for you that you want to do that. But we're not interested in doing that. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, I mean, because, you, know, you know, Reagan, for instance, you know, ran uh, in 1980 uh, and said, I want to uh, abolish the Department of Energy and the Department of Education, which, by the way, were created in his predecessor's 
tenure, right? And the response of Congress was like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Okay, now, bye. <laughs> now, you know, as president, you can go ahead and um, go slow on how you implement the law, or you can convince the career civil servants to uh, change regulations. Or you can alter the budget requ- you know, requests but, that you make oh, for sure. certain agencies. I, I mean, mean, there are ways to— And in, in a future— And pod- I'm going to put this in quotes— punish but i mean there are ways to sure. slow down agencies in that way oh that, sure and then your nominees will quit because the, i mean your your secretaries will quit because that's just annoying yeah because like, you're, like you're yeah. cutting my budget in <laughs> half and not letting me do anything <laughs> yeah. hey i'm gonna hire you for this job and not have you do anything <laughs> like some people would think great but not people who are getting into it because one, they want to make this it service level, and then they want to make a difference they just went through this whole horrible vetting <laughs> yeah. process they're not for nothing i mean nobody wants to do that yeah. Yeah. so that would be annoying yeah <laughs> okay all right, so basically I think what you're telling me is that I'm never going to be nominated for the Secretary of Defense, and that's probably a good thing. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to cry some tears about that, but I'm not going to do it right now. Okay, I understand. Okay. Oh, oh I'll get you a crying towel. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for listening to this episode, and um, if you would like to know more about the nomination process, we're going to be talking about that in the next episode. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.